Welcome to CareCast, CareNet's podcast on family, faith, and life with Roland Warren, CareNet's President and CEO, and Vincent DeCaro, CareNet's Chief Outreach Officer. CareCast and more pro-abundant life commentary from CareNet can be found at care-net.org, where you can watch videos, download ebooks, and subscribe to the Abundant Life blog. Now let's listen in on what Roland and Vince have for us this week on CareCast. Well, greetings, Roland, and mm-hmm. we are here for another episode of CareCast. We are here. And actually, I have to apologize. I said greetings to you, but you often correct me and say that I should say greetings and salutations. I know. Because when there's greetings and not salutations together, then it's just it's just inappropriate, Vince. Yeah. Well, I guess so. I mean... Can we start again? <laughs> In fact, I'm not going to talk this entire podcast unless you greet me properly. I just oh my refuse. Gosh. My arms... For those of you... My arms are actually folded yeah, they're right folded. now. They're folded. They're folded. I've turned away from Vince. I'm in a corner facing the corner until he makes things right. All right. So here... I'm going to start over. I, I will go... I'll give in this time, okay? Okay. Uh, greetings and salutations, Roland. <laughs> well, thank you, Vince. <laughs> it's, see, see how different that was? That, it does feel different. It Doesn't does feel it feel different? different? Yeah. Look at the countenance it, on my it, face. It feels better. It just feels better, <laughs> yes. right? All is well in the world now because <laughs> yeah. you did what you were supposed to do. Uh, yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad we can get that out of the way. Yeah, so um, important. <laughs> so important. Yeah, yeah. So I'm glad we're we're able to sort of uh, ease into this one because this is this is this is a tough one, Roland. Yeah, it's a tough um, topic. It is. It's it's um, one of those real real sensitive ones. And it's it can often be a sticking point for a lot of folks around the the abortion issue. That's really hard to sort of handle and figure out how to how to deal with it. So this was this comes from a story in which a pro life activist had confronted mm-hmm. the Canadian Prime Minister Justin Justin Trudeau, asking him about his defense of abortion. And Trudeau kind of came back with a, with an answer that a lot of a lot of pro choice politicians come back with. Yes, he essentially said, "Well, do you think that a woman who is raped?" should be able to have access to an abortion. Yeah. And the person who had asked him and conf- confronted him with that question kind of came back with a, well, I'm kind of split on that. It's a, it's, a, it's a tough one. And sort of kind of walked away with, well, Trudeau kind of walked away, but it kind of was just left hanging there. And so that is off, we find that that is often the case, yeah. that when a pro-choice politician brings up the uh, abortion in the case of rape or incest, that it often ends up shutting down the argument and folks on the pro-life side don't necessarily know how to sort of handle yeah. that in a in a way that's really helpful and kind of illuminates the issue in a way that is helpful for for all the parties involved. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So why don't you why don't you kind of talk about you, you had some really good insights about like why why politicians go there, like yeah. what they're trying to do and then how a pro-life person can respond to that. Yes, Vince, this is a difficult uh, situation and I can see why folks get, you know, pretty uh, perplexed when when you have to deal with this issue uh, certainly uh, i have you know i have a wife i have nieces i have a sister i mean I have women in my life that i love and the thought that they could possibly be raped or it's just i mean it's hard for me even to think about that right, you know right, right. from that perspective and so when when that happens we have to have the utmost of compassion for uh, a woman who's uh, facing this type of situation. Now, some pro-life folks would respond, well, you know, it's less than 1% of, of abortions are in cases of rape. And although that statistically is clear the data, the reality is that for the woman that it happens to, it's 100% for her. Right, exactly. Right? Right. And so we really want to have the, the utmost of compassion and sensitivity when, we, when we're talking about this. But one of the things that I always think about is this whole notion of what is it about rape? What is it about rape? that makes it so heinous. Right. 
right? So, so Vince, what, what is it about rape that makes it so heinous, right, well, when you think about it? I mean, you, you, you told me the answer. <laughs> but, <laughs> right. but no, it's this idea that, it, you know, it's a, a powerful person taking advantage of a vulnerable person and yes. using that to obviously commit a heinous act. So yes. the powerful taking advantage and abusing the vulnerable. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's power and vulnerability. You have this interplay between power and vulnerability. Mm -hmm. And a powerful person basically uses their power against mm -hmm. the vulnerable mm -hmm. person. That's what makes rape so heinous and why we react to it so emotionally. Mm -hmm. right? right. So when you look at it in the context of the abortion dynamic, mm -hmm. you have a power dynamic that's there. Mm -hmm. You have the woman who has power. Mm -hmm. And then you have the unborn child who's vulnerable, mm -hmm. right? And, of course, we say, well, wait a minute, a woman has power? Absolutely, right? Because the whole abortion issue spins around empowerment. It's called a woman's empowerment mm -hmm. argument, right? Mm -hmm. And when you say my body, my choice, that's a power statement because mm -hmm. it's my body, not your body. She's saying that to the child. She's saying that to society, to the guy, mm -hmm. everyone. Mm -hmm. My body, my choice is a power statement. Mm -hmm. So she has the power and the child is then vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And then with the abortion, basically the powerful then uses their power mm -hmm. against someone who's vulnerable. Right. Do you see? Right, absolutely. So, so what you find often with women who choose to bring their children into the world after they've been raped, mm -hmm. right? This amazing, courageous mm -hmm. act of mm -hmm. bringing a child into the world. Mm -hmm. When I've talked to women who have that perspective, one of the points that they make is that they refuse to let the rapist mm -hmm. turn them into him. Right, right, right. Right, because he used his power against her when she was vulnerable. Mm -hmm. So she refuses to let him turn her into him. Right, right. And commit the same an act that has the same sort of like underpinnings. The in same terms of power dynamic. The same power the dynamic. The same power right. dynamic and the same power principle. Right. So she brings the child into the world. We're all basically, basically saying to him, no, you mm -hmm. will not use your power against me because mm -hmm. your power, you, you, you took advantage of me when I was vulnerable mm -hmm. and then did this act. And then now extending your power to moving me to an abortion decision actually is extending the power that the rapist had in that moment of vulnerability right. even beyond the rape itself. Right, right. And because who's got to deal with the consequences of the abortion? Mm -hmm. She does. Right. Just like she has to deal with the consequences of the rape. Mm -hmm. Do you see what I'm saying? Right, right, right. And so that's the power move yeah. that the so woman So she doesn't has. want to create another victim, essentially. Exactly. Of the, the, turning the unborn child into the second victim. Into of the, the second victim. And yeah. that's why, again, we celebrate when women do that. Mm -hmm. So it really, uh, from his, uh, from the prime minister's perspective is he really thinks through that. That's what the student should have said back to him. Well, okay, I got it. What is it about rape that makes it so heinous, mm -hmm. that, so objectionable? Mm -hmm. And that and that the reason that I'm against uh, a rape is exactly the same reason why I'm against abortion. Mm -hmm. Now, mm -hmm. one of the other arguments that people will make is, well, gosh, you know, the baby is going to remind the woman of the rape, right? Mm -hmm. The baby's mm -hmm. going to remind the woman of the rape. And certainly that can be uh, a situation that happens in, in, in that result. Um, but the reality is, who's going to remind the woman of the rape more, the rapist or the baby? Mm -hmm. Certainly the rapist. Certainly the rapist. Yeah. So is there any good that can come sort of from the rapist, so to speak, in that, that context? Well, the answer would probably be no. Right, right, right. But is there good that comes from the child? Well, this is a child that's created in the image of God. Do you mm -hmm. see what I'm saying? Right. Sure. And yeah. there are certainly mothers mm -hmm. who gave birth to children who were a result of rape who look at those children and say, These are, this is the joy of my life. You see what I'm saying? So there's good that comes from that, even though there's nothing good that comes from the rapist. So if we're really going to be consistent and make sure that there is no reminder of the rape, mm -hmm. we shouldn't just allow her to kill the baby, mm -hmm. abort the baby. Mm -hmm. We also should allow her to kill the rapist. Right, right. And we don't. Right, right. 
and we don't. And why don't we do that? Well, that would be that would be unjust. Well, right, because here's the thing, right? She can't sit on the jury. Right. She can't be the judge. Why do we say that? Because we want justice. Yeah. And she's too close to it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's the reason why we take that decision, even though she's been violated, mm-hmm. we take that decision out of her hand. So even for the rapist, mm-hmm. even for the rapist who's done this heinous act, even if there's a videotape of him doing it, we still don't allow her to be on the jury, don't allow her to be the lawyer, right. nothing. Right. Why? Because even in that situation, we afford that rapist mm-hmm. a level of justice mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. and to some degree, actually mercy, yeah. if you will. Right. Right. Even though he's done that, that we don't actually afford the unborn child. Do you see the problem with right. this? Right. So yes. that so when you start to pull all that uh, together, yeah. that that's the reason why you, you kind of have to think through this thing. Yeah. And, and I think another great point that you make, too, is this idea of, you know, the cir- do the circumstances of one's birth determines determine one's worth? Exactly. And that's another answer that that person could have brought back to Prime Minister Trudeau, yes. asking him that question. Yes. Right? Absolutely. Should the circumstances of your conception and birth determine your worth? Right. 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 Your conception and your birth. Does that determine your worth? Because yeah. His, the prime minister's argument is basically saying, yes, the circumstances of your conception and birth determine your worth. So if you were conceived in love, you have worth. If you were conceived in lust, you don't. Mm-hmm. And you start to walk through it. You say, well, wow, that's a framework that I thought we got rid of years ago. Because there used to be kids who were called bastards, mm-hmm. basically. Right. If you remember, right. remember yeah, that, sure. you hear that in literature. Illegitimate children. Illegitimate yeah. children. Yeah. Bastard right? children. Bastard sure. children. Illegitimate children. And yeah. what was the principle behind that? Right. The circumstances of your conception and birth determined right. your worth. Yeah. And so even after they were born, right. and no matter yeah. what... Very they, few rights, very little public standing. The, yeah. It didn't matter. Even yeah. You could do amazing things in culture, but the circumstances of your conception and birth determined your worth. And you actually see that even in the case of Christ. Right. Mm-hmm. Because some folks thought that, that Christ was Joseph's child, mm-hmm. not, you know, the child of you know mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And so they tried to use that. Right, isn't you know, isn't isn't there something going on here with this mm-hmm. guy? In other words, that because he was illegitimately conceived in their mind mm-hmm. and and the birth process, then we don't have to listen to the truth claims that he's making into the public square. They right. actually use that to shut right. him down. Right. And I would say that certainly if you're a person who has the perspective of justice, you want to you don't want to use that argument right. because that's an argument that's been used for injustice across the world. So a child who's born in Scarsdale, New York, right, in the lap of luxury, has more worth than a child who's born in some hut in Africa, for right. example. Right. Right. And, and we say, well, we reject that. Right. We say, no, no, no. Yeah. The circumstances of a person's conception and birth should not determine their worth. Right. And right. that actually coincides perfectly with the biblical worldview yeah. because yeah, yeah. the Bible says we we're created in the image of God, imago Dei, the circumstances of our conception and birth do not determine our worth. Yeah. God ascribes to every human a humanity. Mm-hmm. And whether you're conceived in rape or whether, whether you're not conceived in rape, whether you're conceived in love or you're conceived in lust, it doesn't matter. Yeah. That's a separate thing from your humanity. And because you're created in the image of God, you deserve life. Yeah. And that's really the argument. That's really the argument that we're, that we're talking about yeah. here. Absolutely. And, and it's and it's really just, it, it comes down to, in a lot of ways, it, it sounds almost simplistic in a sense, but when that unborn child is in the womb and is sort of unseen, yes. it's like we almost, as people who are obviously outside the womb, we almost kind of look at that as like, this is like our grace period where yeah. we can kind of like, we have power to decide what should happen to that life. Because I think, you know, you're right in that, you know, if you see somebody who was born in the most horrible poverty 
you know, in in say an African country or something like that, and then somebody in who's born in, in into wealth. If you if you saw those people both as adults, I think most people would look at those two lives and say they would they would just reject the idea that one person is worth more than the other. Right. Yes, absolutely. In fact, because of the your power and vulnerability sort of framework that you brought up earlier, you would actually probably look at the person who's living who was born into and is living in terrible poverty, you would probably have more compassion for them, yes. right? Because they need they need more yes. help, they need more assistance, whatever it might be, right? This perception that that person needs more help. So you would actually value that life in yes. some in ways that you might not even value the person who's born into wealth and has quote-unquote privilege, absolutely. right? Absolutely. And and so but in the womb, though, for some reason, all of that just goes out the window. And we make arguments about how in the womb that yeah. life actually is worth less. Yes. Even if we don't actually say that out loud, the fact that we think it's okay to abort them because of those circumstances, it just kind of reveals our, our true thoughts and feelings about these things, even if we never, in yeah. polite company, say those things out loud. Another thing that we don't want to say out loud is that the principle behind Justin Trudeau's perspective mm-hmm. actually should extend outside the womb. Right. So now you've given birth to the child and you thought that you, quote, could handle it, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And now you have an emotional reaction as a mother. You've been raped, you give birth to a child, you have an emotional reaction uh, mm-hmm. to, to this child now, mm-hmm. right, that's negative. Mm-hmm. Well, shouldn't you be allowed to kill the child outside the womb? The principle here is that we want to erase any consequence from okay. the rape, right? Yeah. From the rape, yeah, yeah. right? We want to release any mm-hmm. remembrance, any con- any of that. Mm-hmm. So then it would seem to me, then then why would you not allow her then to kill the child even after the child is born? Mm-hmm. If the principle, the principle that he's making here is mm-hmm. a woman has been raped and therefore she should be allowed to take the life of her unborn child. Mm-hmm. Well, then why would that not extend outside the womb? Right, right. If, if the objective is to take away anything that could, quote, remind her of, of this situation, do you see the yeah. problem that you have from a moral perspective, mm-hmm. right? So, again, when when a woman is raped and when this happens, again, it's a heinous thing. We have to have the utmost of compassion. And I certainly, mm-hmm. you know, on an intellectual and emotional level, understand why mm-hmm. you would want to allow an abortion. Mm-hmm. I get it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I understand mm-hmm. on an emotional level when I think about my wife and mm-hmm. I think about my nieces and just, mm-hmm. just women that I know just in general, even if they're not even related to me, mm-hmm. when you see the violence of that, I understand that. Mm-hmm. But where you have to have clarity is that what we, we are supposed to operate from a perspective of justice and mercy, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And we want justice, mm-hmm. right, for the situation where, you know, the, for the person who's done the wrong act. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But we also want to make sure that we're having mercy mm-hmm. as well, mm-hmm. if you will, and compassion mm-hmm. uh, for someone who has not <laughs> done a wrong act, who is just a bystander in that. And that's really what the child is. And so as difficult as the conversation can be and, and the emotions that are all around it, mm-hmm. we want to, as, certainly as people of the book, we want to have clarity in those moments. And God has kind of made a stamp that all life, right, all life is worthy of protection. Mm -hmm. And that the circumstances of one's conception and birth should not determine their worth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I think that's that's really good insight, Rollin, and hopefully is helpful for folks. You know, if if you're pro-life, you're inevitably going to come across that argument being made by folks who are pro-choice. This is not necessarily about winning an argument. Yeah, it's no. about at least you know making some points that are compassionate towards obviously the woman who's clearly a victim yeah. in this situation, but also thinking about how do we how do we apportion our compassion yes. to the unborn child? How do we yes. make sure there's justice, etc.? And so I think these are arguments that really help you do that in a way that doesn't just kind of make you seem 
crazy. Yeah, <laughs> <You> <laughs> it doesn't make it. Doesn't it's make it. What well, doesn't make it like you're making an argument that, right. that, that lacks compassion? Right. No, what you're actually you are making a compassionate argument, yes. and you're to your point, you're making the statement that look, we have to apportion compassion, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And whenever we make a decision related to compassion, mm-hmm. we always kind of link compassion vulnerability and power together. Mm-hmm. And so we generally make an argument, when we make an argument around compassion, we always ask the question, who's the more powerful? Mm-hmm. Who's the more vulnerable? And then we apportion compassion typically mm-hmm. when we're acting righteously. So we apportion more compassion to the most vulnerable, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And in the dynamic that you have here between the rapist and the unborn child, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. This is where the whole problem comes in. Who's the more powerful between the rapist and the unborn child? Clearly the rapist. The rapist. Yeah. Yeah. Who's the more vulnerable? of the child. Mm-hmm. And when you allow the rapist mm-hmm. to go free, so to speak, mm-hmm. and with life, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, right? And mm-hmm. maybe go to prison, but they have life, mm-hmm. and you kill the child, mm-hmm. then you're actually apportioning more compassion to the rapist than you are to the child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and, and, yeah. and when you think about it that way, you say, well, my gosh, you're right. We're, we're saying to the rapist, look, oh, maybe you'll put some years in or this, that, and the other. And we actually give them a justice system mm-hmm. that really balances all that stuff, right? Because mm-hmm. we don't allow the woman to be on that court, and anyone who's connected to that, right? But with a the child, there there's none of that. Mm-hmm. And so you're actually being more compassionate to the more powerful mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. you are to yeah. the more vulnerable. Which is odd. And, and also in that same framework yes. – um, the, the one of the primary reasons why uh, uh, somebody like uh, you know Justin Trudeau actually pivot to immediately pivot to the rape issue yes. is because they're actually trying to take the attention off of the child yes. and put it on the mother yes. who is obviously the victim of the rape yes. and 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 you're right in your in your power vulnerability compassion framework clearly the rapist is the powerful one the, the 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 victim of the rape the woman is the vulnerable one and we should have compassion for the woman yes and therefore and so what Trudeau is trying to argue is that in our desire to have compassion for the woman yes. which we should the compassionate thing to do is to allow her to have an abortion right, right? so that's why he's he doesn't want to talk about the child who yes. was conceived he wants to put the attention back on the woman because he intuitively understands this powerful power power vulnerability compassion framework that Absolutely. you're talking about. So what he wants to compare is the woman to the rapist because mm-hmm. he knows where you'll come down. But that's not the place that you need to compare. What mm-hmm. you need to compare, mm-hmm. right, is the rapist to the baby. Right, right. <laughs> and when you do that, right. that then, dynamic. Then it becomes clear where the the, the, vulner, the vulnerable and where therefore where the compassion, the compassion needs and, to be. And by the way, and women who've been raped mm-hmm. and have this clarity in the midst of this very difficult situation, that's exactly what they do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They, make a, they make a compassion comparison between the rapist and mm-hmm. the child growing inside of them. And they do, the, they do the intellectual thing and the emotional thing and the spiritual thing that I just said. They say, between the rapist and this child growing inside of me, who's the more powerful, who's the more vulnerable? Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. And they make that argument. And that's how they come down to the decision that I'm that this is not a life worth sacrificing but a life worth sacrificing for right. I will not allow this person who raped me to control me right right and to try to force me to become like them yes I reject that and the only way that I can reject that is by doing the opposite mm-hmm. by having the most compassion 
for the most vulnerable. Yeah. And that's why they make the decision. And that's why women who do that should be absolutely celebrated. Mm-hmm. Even totally. though we understand why someone can come across the other way yes. and, and yes. why it's difficult because we know there's a lot of emotion here. Yeah, yeah. But that's what we have to that's what we celebrate those women who do that because yeah. they have the clarity in the midst of all that pain and hurt and the injustice that a rape is, mm-hmm. right? To see that there's a vulnerable mm-hmm. person another vulnerable person in the mix here mm-hmm. as well. And then they have the most compassion for the most vulnerable. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, that, that's really, really good, Roland, really powerful stuff. And so we'll, we'll end there. And hopefully this has been helpful for, for folks listening. And uh, our website, care-net.org, we've covered this topic on a couple yeah. of our blog posts in the past as well. So make sure you, you uh, do some do some searching there and you can find some more resources to help you, yep. you know, talk through in a compassionate way on a variety of these different kinds of arguments. Yep. So, Amen. All right. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of CareCast. For more pro-abundant life commentary and practical resources, please visit care-net.org. There you can subscribe to the Abundant Life blog, giving you access to videos, ebooks, podcasts, and other resources to help turn your pro-life passion into pro-abundant life action. Until next time, we pray that God blesses you and yours daily.